0: listening to The Venue Podcast, The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. If we haven't met, my name's Austin and excited to be with you this morning. I, I love to start, I want to just jump in because we've got a lot to cover this morning. And I want to start with a story about my childhood that I think will will lead to kind of really where we're headed in the scripture this morning. Uh, And so I'm just going to be very forward. I grew up in a family that loved the sport of tennis. And so from a very young age, I was kind of roped into this of like, hey, you don't have a choice. This is going to be the sport that you play. And so I have a couple pictures uh, to show you a little bit of what my childhood looked like. If we have those, maybe. There we go. I think we got one other one. (laughs) I look a little bit like an alien there, but that's okay. But really, uh, my family loved tennis. And so from the earliest that I could be, like I was holding a racket, was on the tennis court, and so this wasn't just something that my my dad loved, but my my family loved, my grandparents loved, uh, like cousins, extended family, like this was just the sport that my family was passionate about. And so the story that I want to share in particular with this is I have it, have it like, you can ask my wife, I have a terrible memory. Like, she's like, do you remember that moment in high school when we were, and I'm like, no, like not at all. But there's few moments that I can remember like vividly, like remember exactly where I was. And this is one of them. is I was about 10 or 11 in a church service just like this, about the same amount of people. Uh, and my dad and I uh, are sitting next to each other. And he leans over sometime in the middle of the service and kind of hits me on the side, and I'm like, you know, i like, normally I'm acting up or doing something wrong, so I'm like, what, what? And he's like, hey, I want you to look around. So I, I look around, you know, look at everyone. He's like, look, look at everyone in here. Look around, he says, you can beat everyone in here at tennis. Everyone. There's not a person that could beat you in here. I'm like, I look around, I'm like, okay, you're, you're right, Dad, you're right. And then he says, no, 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 wait you can beat everyone in our city at tennis. And what my dad was trying to do in that moment was instill a healthy amount of confidence in my life. And so as an athlete, what he wanted for me was that any court I stepped on, any person I'm playing, he wanted me to have the confidence that I could beat them. Even if I was playing a pro, Roger Federer, Nadal, whoever it was, Serena Williams, I was going to dominate them. He wanted me to have the confidence that I could. The reality was I probably couldn't beat everyone in our city, maybe maybe everyone in our church. But no matter what, even if I knew I was going to lose, he was like, I want you to have confidence that you're going to win. That look around. You could beat everyone in here. And so what happened with that was almost even to this day, I will walk in a room and still struggle with the same thing. That I tell myself, I can beat everyone in here at tennis. (laughs) But more than that, I think I can beat everyone at anything. It was just this mindset that as I began to go through middle school and junior high and high school, this mindset entered into my life that no matter what sport it was, no matter what activity, this mindset began to come into my heart that I could beat everyone at anything. I really began to think that I was something, that I was something special. My wife and I, we went to high school together and we, we laugh and joke about now today, like you could see my head when I was walking down the hallway in a crowded room. Like it was hard for me to fit through certain doors because of how much I thought of about myself. And so what happened, and it, it was helpful in so many ways, but my dad was trying to instill a healthy amount of confidence early on at a young age. And that definitely happened. But what happened more was a large amount of pride that overwhelms my life into so many different scenarios. And so this morning, as we look at the book of Proverbs, a major theme that we see throughout it, like, you can't read hardly into, like, chapter 3 without seeing the word pride pop up. And so we're going to address, really, the topic of pride and humility. And I think often when we think of pride, we think of kind of like the story I just shared. You think of it in a sports context. You think of it as like the quarterback at Texas Tech, like, oh, of course he's, he's prideful because he's a D1 quarterback. But I want you to know this morning that you could really have pride about anything and everything. You could have pride in your kids, in, in the way they act, in the way they behave, and just that they're not like your sister's kids, right? You could have pride in your job performance, that, that you're the most successful person in your... De- Apartment. You have the best sales. You could have pride in your biblical knowledge, right? That you, you have more verses memorized. Maybe what you do is you walk in a room and you're like, I have more verses memorized than anyone in this room, right? Like maybe that's what you find your confidence in. I, I, I had times I've struggled with, I have a better quiet time than people I know, right? I have a better prayer life. So you can find your pride in anything and everything, your house, Your lawn, your car, your cars, right? Your cooking skills, your intelligence. And so as we talk about pride this morning, I think a biblical way that we could describe it or define pride is this. And I'm sorry, I don't have this on the screen, but if this is helpful for taking notes, is that pride is a self-focused mindset that leads one to trusting in their own abilities rather than the Lord's. It's it's a mindset where you're focused about self so much that you aren't trusting in the Lord, you're distrusting in your own abilities. And so many scholars, as you study the word pride, they would describe it as independence from God, that you're operating without God and seeking His approval. And so I want to ask you a few questions. Not Not to add shame, but just as we're thinking about this topic, is maybe pride something you wrestle with. And so do you love having conversations about yourself, but do you struggle to care and listen when others are talking or talking about themselves? Do you almost always think you're right? Like no matter what scenario it is, whatever you're talking about, even if you have like the most limited knowledge in the room, do you almost always think you're right? Do you normally take credit for the work of God in your life? So whether that's like financial blessings, whether that's your kids and how they behave better than your sister, right? Whether that's your grades if you're a student, your success, do you you take credit for the work of God in your life? Do you struggle to hear hard truths from others? Like when someone comes to share something like, like, hey, I'm seeing this in your life. I'm noticing you're struggling with this. Is it really hard for you to hear that? And maybe you, like, really don't take that opinion at all. Are you constantly worried about what other people are thinking about you? Which this is pride, is that you're so focused on yourself it leads you to anxiety and worry. And finally, one more. Do you you often find yourself judging others? So maybe you judge them because of the sin in in their life, that you're not struggling with that. Or if you're like me, at times you can walk into Walmart and judge people for what they're wearing. Anything that you could judge them for. And so I think if we're honest, we all struggle with pride. It's going to look different for every single one of us. Maybe the answer to all of those questions for you is sometimes yes. Yes. But in every single way, pride manifests itself in our lives. We're going to talk about it in a moment, but it's the root of all sin, that every sin that we struggle with really flows from a heart of pride. And so as we walk through the book of Proverbs this morning and look at a couple of different scriptures, we're going to see very clearly the dangers of pride, that pride is a dangerous thing to have in our lives. But before you leave this morning, we're going to see really a battle plan of how do we fight off pride in our lives. So if you got your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 2, and I want you to see how clearly Proverbs is about the sin. And here's the first thing we're going to see as we're walking through Proverbs. You're going to see the dangers of pride. If you're taking notes, first thing is the dangers of pride. So Proverbs 11:2 says this, it says when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Or some of your translations may use the word humiliation or shame. So when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. And so what the author is saying here is that pride is going to lead you to make foolish decisions. Decisions that are going to lead you to shame and regret. And so think about this. Like, What's the best example of this? The the first example of this is Genesis 3. right? Adam and Eve are in the garden, literally walking with God in full relationship with him. And they begin to be deceived by the devil that they could be like God. Which if you think about that, that's the root of pride, of thinking you could be like God. God. And so they fall into that sin. And what does it say? It says immediately their eyes were open and they felt shame. There was pride in their life and it immediately led to shame. And so in other words, maybe to say it better for our context today is that pride blinds us. It blinds us. And so I had a buddy a couple weeks ago he was driving home, he lives in downtown Houston, and a drunk driver came out of nowhere and smashed his car. His car flew for, for a good while. I mean, like, if I could show you pictures of it today, you wouldn't think he survived. Like, the car was absolutely destroyed. Thankfully, he survived, and I think is back at work, and is doing okay. But when they went back and kind of looked at the scene, they realized that this drunk driver had ran through two red lights before he hit my friend. And so in that moment, he was blinded by the amount of alcohol in his body that he couldn't see or think clearly as he's running through these lights and then eventually hitting someone else's car. He was blinded by the amount of alcohol in his body. And in the same way, pride blinds us. It's kind of this idea that you're intoxicated by yourself. Like you're intoxicated by who you are and what you're doing so much so that it blinds you from everything else in your life. And so pride blinds you from seeing the most important people in your life. It could blind you from seeing your family or your friends, your coworkers. It could blind you from anyone. It, it blinds you from making wise decisions, right? It's like what, this is what the proverb is saying, that, that you can't see or think clearly, so it leads you down the wrong path path pride blinds us but most importantly pride blinds us from trusting in god and the hard truth is this is what's going to keep so many people out of heaven is pride is blinding them from trusting in a savior that they think i can do it all on my own that i I don't need a god and so pride will keep them from trusting in jesus and following him and so if you think about it, unlike any other sin today, pride is probably the most accepted one. Like, honestly, it's probably celebrated in the culture that we live in today. Like, it's, it's not the sin that, that we're preaching about all the time. It's not the sin that, that we're worried about or that maybe you're going to your friend and confessing it. Like, it's, it's nothing close to sexual sin that we talked about a couple of days ago, the way that we focus on it but Scripture is going to say so clearly that's not the truth. And our world in social media only fuels this, right? That we live in this kind of selfie world now that everyone is focused on getting likes, getting comments, getting people to talk about them, make their name known. And like, if, if you're not careful, you can fall into this trap that you only post the things that make you look the best. right? So maybe you had a really tough summer, but you went to Destin, and that's all of your social media is, right? It's all about your family vacation because that's what we post. We only want people to see what's best and what looks the best, getting more people to follow you. But church, I want you to hear this so clearly, is that life is not found at you when you put yourself in the center. It's found when we put Christ in the center of our life. And so this proverb is incredibly clear. That pride is going to blind you. It's going to blind you to shame and regret, decisions that you're going to regret. Let's turn over to Proverbs 16, 18. We'll talk about one more in the issue of pride. It says, pride goes before the destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. It's better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And so basically what's saying there, it's better to be poor and humble than proud and rich. That there's this mindset that those that are prideful are going to fall. And so what's interesting to me is I was studying that is a prideful person. They want their name to be known. Like, that's your greatest desire, is for people to talk about you, to be famous, to make much of yourself. And what this proverb says is actually the opposite is going to happen. That if you live with a prideful mindset, you're going to fall. There's going to be destruction that comes in your life. And so maybe we can illustrate it this way, is that pride is a lot like a sandcastle. Anybody get to go to the beach this summer? Anybody blessed enough to do that? A few hands. Okay, we need to get some more of y'all to go to the beach next summer. Uh, But think about this. Pride is like a sandcastle. And so when you go to the beach, I I grew up close to the beach, and often what we would do as a family is our goal was to build the most elaborate and amazing sandcastle. Like we wanted to be the family that when people walked by, they were like, well, well, geez, they must be professionals, right? Like that's what we were hoping for. And so, like when you go to the beach, you get all your supplies, you're ready, build this sandcastle, and you could work all day long for hours. But what's going to happen? The tide's going to change, and the sandcastle is going to be destroyed. All of your work, all of your effort, all of your time—no, <laughs> nobody's going to want to build a sandcastle after this, right? But eventually, gets destroyed. And this is how pride works in our life. That as you try to make much of yourself, as you make your name known. As much as you do to build your kingdom, your palace, it eventually will be destroyed. as scripture is clear that if you pursue pride, it's going to lead to your destruction. And so pride will cause you to lose relationships with those you're closest with. Like think about this. all of us have seen this, like the two sisters that, that don't talk anymore, the cousins that haven't been at the family reunion in years because because of the issue long ago, it's pride that's keeping them from a relationship. Maybe your relationship with your coworker is, is broken because of pride. Pride will cause you to use others for your success. So you manipulate and use others to be lifted up. And it will keep you from hearing the wisdom of God. That you're blocking out the truth because of the pride in your life. And so overall, pride is the essence of all sin. That all sin flows from a heart of pride. And C.S. Lewis says that pride is the great sin. That it's the devil's most effective and destructive tool. And he goes on to say that pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. And so ultimately, when you think about this, pride pulls us away from the two greatest commandments in Scripture to love God and to love others. When pride is in our life, it keeps us from loving others and it keeps us from intimacy with God because we're unwilling to trust him. We're unwilling to follow his way. In Proverbs 8.13, you don't have to turn there, but it's a good one to highlight. It says, the Lord hates pride. He hates it because of all of the things we've just talked about. And we could go on for hours about the dangers of pride in our life. And so scripture is clear, the Lord hates it and it's dangerous for us. And so we must do everything we can to fight it off, right? We, we wanna be a people that aren't comfortable with it, that aren't celebrating it, but that we make a big deal about this sin and that we have a battle plan to fight against it. And so the second and final thing we'll see is we fight off pride by pursuing humility. We fight off pride by pursuing humility. And so we pursue humility ultimately by pursuing Jesus, right? That we run after him, seeking to be like him. And so C.S. Lewis and others, it's, it's kind of hard to identify who, who has actually quoted this because it's been carried on for years but, but they say that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of others more. The, the Greek translation for humility is literally translated the lowliness of mind. So almost any time you see humility translated or in the, in the New Testament, that's what it's talking about. The lowliness of mind. And I think maybe one of the greatest definitions, I found this in an article I was reading. This week, it says that true humility is to see ourselves as we actually are sinners, helpless without God. And so it's not that we walk into the world or walk into a room and say, I'm the best or I'm good or I'm better than them, but humility is recognizing that I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm as broken as the rest of the people in here. Even if I have it all cleaned up and I look better than them, I am still broken in need of a Savior. And so if you'll turn to Proverbs 3.34, we're going to begin to walk through what Scripture would say about humility. 3.34 says, Towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. And so we could look at countless verses just like this, that says, those that pursue humility over pride, there's going to be blessings that come. There's benefits for pursuing humility. God gives favor to them. And you don't have to turn there. I'll read this one quickly. But in the New Testament, Peter quotes this verse in 1 Peter 5, 5. And he says, "'Clothe yourselves, all of you, "'with humility towards one another, "'for God opposes the proud.'" but gives grace to the humble. And so humility looks good on you. Humility is attractive. There's never been a person that's put on humility and looks bad, right? Like someone that's prideful is a person that that would lead you to gossip about them or to talk poorly about them. You don't talk poorly about someone that's wearing humility. Often like what we say is, and I want to be like them, or or how how do they act like that all the time? Humility looks good on you. And so I've heard pastors describe humility and pride a lot like a jersey. So you think about the team that you're supporting, the jersey that you would wear, they would describe pride as wearing the jersey that's going against God's team. That when you wear pride, you're identifying and saying to the world, I'm going against God because I don't need him. I'm not on his team. But when you wear the jersey of humility, you're showing the world I'm on God's team. I'm trying to identify with him and follow his example. And so I think the question is, what jersey do you wear more? Which team are are you naturally supporting? When you go into work, when when you walk into the grocery store, when you're talking with your family members, what jersey are you wearing? And so when you wear humility, it's not always easy. And at times, it's going to be costly for you. And so asking forgiveness is, is difficult. Right? Saying, I'm sorry, I'm messed up, this is not fun. Taking the form of a servant, like we see in Scripture, washing someone's feet, caring for your neighbor, giving up your time, watching TV for you to go and care for someone next door is not always the most relaxing thing. Not being the center of attention and not always being with the conversation about Is not always the best thing for you, at least in your mind. But wearing pride is going to cost you way more than wearing humility. There's going to be great consequences to wearing pride compared to wearing humility. And so we have a few minutes left and I I want to try to offer some application of how do we pursue humility. What, What could be our battle plan? So the first thing that we do when we pursue humility is that we would pray and ask the Holy Spirit to change our heart. And so this is where we have to start, is that you can't grow in humility by trying hard enough. Right? It is a miracle and only a work of God for a prideful person to begin to become humble. Right it's not something that you just flex and all of a sudden you're like you're showing the muscle of humility. It is a work of God in our life. And so only God can change our hearts. And so we plead, we ask, we beg the Lord through the Holy Spirit that he would help us become more humble, that we would pursue humility. And I think a practical way to maybe help you with this is that you would pray specifically when you need it. That maybe you you look across your week and say I'm going to need humility in this meeting with my boss. I'm going to need humility when I walk back into the other room after a fight with my wife. I'm going to need humility to talk with my kid that's struggling with pride. Whatever it is that you would ask specifically, God, in this moment, as I prepare for this meeting, as I'm going to enter in this space this week, God, would you help me in this way? If you're a student, maybe it's, you're praying, would you help me before I go to this game? I want to be confident in my abilities. I want to trust you, but help me not pursue pride. That you would pray specifically in that moment. And so I love what Pastor David says here. He, he says, talking about pride, he says, a lack of prayer and dependence on God reveals a prideful heart. Hmm. That we want to be a people that are depending on God through prayer the pursuing after him. We want to reveal to the world and to God that we have a humble heart, that we need him. So the first thing we do is we pray. Second is that you ask for accountability. Maybe if it's helpful to say it this way is that you get a pride check. And so I think one of the most helpful things you could do today after hearing God's word is that you would ask someone in your life, someone that's close to you that knows how you act and behave is that you would ask this question. Where do you see pride in my life? Where is pride quick to manifest in my life? What am I the most prideful about? Where do you see pride in my life? And I want to be really bold and challenge you with this. That when before you go to bed tonight, that you've asked someone this question. So maybe you need to get home and and talk to your wife or your kids. Maybe you need to get on the phone and call a friend. But that before you go to bed tonight, I think the greatest way that you could apply this truth that we're hearing from the Lord is to ask that question. Where do you see pride in my life? And I want to challenge you with that because if you're anything like me, if you don't ask the question today, you probably never will. And so I've asked some people in my life, my wife specifically, and says, hey, Where is there pride in my life? Probably one of the hardest questions I've ever asked is like, okay, get ready for a punch in the mouth, right? Like get ready to hear where you're struggling. But as we talked about earlier, pride blinds us. And so it's pretty evident that you have no idea where all the areas of your life you struggle with pride. You may struggle in an area of pride that you had no idea that you're prideful there. But if you don't ask and get a pride check, you can't grow in that way. And so we pray, we ask, and the third thing we do is we serve. We serve others, that you would go out of your way to serve someone. And it's easy still to serve someone with pride, but that you would ask the Lord, hey, I want to serve, I want to lead in this way, so help me not be prideful about this, but that you would go out of your way to serve someone. We're going to finish with Philippians chapter 2. Don't tell Brandon, we're going to the New Testament for just a minute. All right, not totally in the book of Proverbs. Philippians chapter 2. We'll wrap up with this. This is one of my favorite texts of all scripture. It's one that you should have highlighted and underlined that has been life verses for me. Philippians 2 3 through 4. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And so we grow in humility by serving others. And so all summer long with our high school students, we've been focusing on spiritual disciplines. And so we've practiced many of them. We'll talk about them and then try to implement them in our lives. And so like two or three weeks ago, we practiced uh, and talked about the spiritual discipline of service. Right before we went on our mission trip, that we would talk about what it means to serve other people. And what the Lord has revealed to me through this study of spiritual disciplines is that when you practice a spiritual discipline, something grows in your life. As you pursue Jesus, there's a fruit that comes from it. And so we practiced fasting a couple weeks ago. And what happens when you practice fasting is you learn patience. The Lord teaches you that it's okay not to have food every moment that you want it. When you practice the spiritual discipline of solitude, you learn and grow in the ability to sit still and to be quiet, to listen. You know what happens when we practice the spiritual discipline of service? Humility. Humility is what naturally grows when we say, I'm going to put other people first. I'm more focused on their interests than my own. Humility is what naturally grows. And from that, as we serve others, we push pride away. Final thing that that I want to talk about is our battle plan. Number four is we reflect on the attitude of Christ. We reflect on the attitude of Christ. And so back to Philippians 2 for one more time. Starting in verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though it was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so asking for accountability, serving others, taking the position of a servant, trying to live out a life of, of humility and pursuing these things and more can be hard and difficult. But when we remember the extreme circumstances and the cost that our savior went on the cross for us it does not seem as difficult anymore that when we remember the life that he gave for us that he emptied himself fully on the cross right the most undeserving person ever to die that this in this moment is the greatest example of humility that the world has ever seen and so what we want to do as believers is we want to reflect that and adopt that that we take the position of a servant. That we don't take the position that we have at work as something to grab a hold of, but we say, I'm going to pursue humility, no matter the cost, no matter the circumstances. That we want to reflect the attitude that Christ showed on the cross for us. And so here's the beautiful thing, and we'll wrap up with this, is that when you pursue humility, you begin to grow and pursue the two greatest commandments of Scripture. When you push away pride and pursue humility, your love for others grow, and your intimacy with God grows. Because humility is dependence on God. And when you go to Him saying, God, I need you, I can't do this by myself, I need you through every moment, your intimacy with God begins to grow and begins to flourish. Humility will lead you to the... Wisdom of God. As pride leads us away from the wisdom of God and to make foolish decisions, humility leads us to wise decisions. And so I'll wrap up with one final story. For years of my life, This is what I put my pride in, my everything. So I spent hours from the time that I could hold this and hit the ball on the court, really until I was 18 years old. My parents paid for me to go to camps all throughout Texas. I flew here by myself to go to a camp at Tech when I was like 13. My parents paid for the the best private coaches in our area. And I trained and prepared and did everything I could to be the best, which is what you do as an athlete. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to hear that. But for me, all of those things having the best shoes, having the best equipment all of that led to a large amount of pride. And here's the truth that I want you to know Did you know what happened? I was never the best. (laughs) You've probably never watched me play on ESPN, unfortunately. But not only that, I was never the best in my own city. I was never the best in my own high school. I was always number two (laughs) on the team. There was always one guy that was better than me. And I I played in college, but I played D3 tennis, which is kind of the lowest you can get. Still counts, but not on ESPN, right? And so the question for you and for all of us this morning is what are you putting your pride in? What is leading you to make every decision that you make? Where, what are you putting all of your passion and your hope in? Where is your pride? And my hope and my prayer for you this morning is that you would begin to wrestle with God. And maybe as you bring other people in and to say, where is their pride in my life? And that you would begin to pursue a battle plan against that, to pursue humility, To pursue after God. And my hope and my prayer for you is that your confidence, your pride, and your hope wouldn't be found in a racket, wouldn't be found in your marriage and how strong you think your marriage is compared to others. It wouldn't be found in your kids and how well they behave. It wouldn't be found in how successful you are at your job or how big your house is or whatever the circumstance would be, but that your trust your confidence would be found in him, in him alone. And so this morning, as we wrap up, I wanna just encourage you to pray, just for a moment, that you would ask God, where is there pride in my life? And God, in that specific area, would you help me to pursue humility? Would you help me to become more like your son on the cross in that area? So spend a moment right now in your own heart to pray for that, to ask God, and then we'll begin to worship together. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.